Patty, you may not be able to tell it now, but there's a time in my life when I was down so low, a mosquito wouldn't even bite me. I lost my job, my four-wheel drive. I even got thrown out of my trailer. All because of one thing, free basin cocaine. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. I'm the other host, JoJo. You're not JoJo. But JoJo is in the studio. I can be JoJo if I want to be JoJo. JoJo can be me. We'll just swap. You know, I'm Kate Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like a weird body Hello. swapping Hello. podcast. <laughs> it's, it's like, a, what was that movie with Lily Tomlin and Steve Martin? Remember when they swapped bodies? Incredible Shrinking Women? No, it was like all I was of thinking me of the Lindsay Lohan, um, Jamie Lee Curtis one, where they swap. Freaky Friday. Yeah, yeah Freaky, Fri- Freaky this Friday. This is like a this is a Freaky Friday. It's a Freaky <laughs> yes. Friday. So JoJo Kelly live in the Sigmar Studio. JoJo. JoJo. Um, what's cracking there, K Rambo? You still have uh the COVID? I don't have the COVID. I had the man flu, but it did make me think like imagine back in the olden days, you know, like when the plague and the TB and the smallpox, all diseases now, which we have like, apart from the plague, eradicated through uh, vaccines. Yeah. Imagine if you were the poor fucker who survived all of that, but you had the man flu for like a week. There's no one going to look after you. No one's going to take you seriously, but you're there just like dying of the man flu. Well, that I was don't get it. Why do you call it the man flu? Is it a flu from men? It, I call it the man flu personally because it's, it's more than a traditional cold, but it's not the full flu. So you just feel like shit and you just want like someone to look after you. So you just complain a lot. It's the man flu. I guess I do do like you it. not call it the man flu over there? Do you not is get there, the man flus? Is there like a like a child flu and a woman flu? No. Just man yeah. flu. It's kind of a sexist thing because women are like, oh, when I get the flu, I've got to still go to work and I've got to look after the kids and do the shopping and blah, 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 and men don't have to do anything. So it's a sexist thing. But I just get the man flu because everything stops when I feel unwell. Did you th- like, but did my you life think you had down. COVID though? Yeah, I did like um, two COVID tests, uh, both with strong negatives, but I had nearly every symptom of COVID. If uh, if Kate gets COVID, she doesn't have to go to the Cochrane factory for like 10 days, right? Paid. Paid vacation. Paid. Yeah, but it's not a vacation when you're sick, is it? I wanted nah, the vacation without being sick. I've heard it's like you're vax, so you get it. You're sick for like a couple of days, and then it's just you're just at home watching Greasy Strangler. JoJo's favorite film. <laughs> it is my new favorite. You know, I've heard the only true remedy... Um, for the uh, the man flu is to give yourself an enema filled with ranch dressing and then you have to film it and send it to a Jewish podcaster for a close inspection. Is this for the uh, the sick and wrong Patreon? $50 <laughs> tier. The, the $50 tier. I'm trying to get Kate to make some like high level content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, really I'm still going to make the dreidel video. <laughs> That's really coming this funny. Hanukkah. I'm just saying it's like for like the really exclusive Patreon content, you, you get to see an, a ranch dressing enema. 
No, you. That's probably what you want to see. You know, you know what's funny? Yeah, well, everybody's got their fetish. So I was just in Michigan last weekend for the, the Kessler anniversary party. And the next day, we all went out for pizza. Like with, because they have like a big family now with like grandkids and all that. So we all went out for pizza on the next day. And we're at this restaurant in Michigan. I mean, two tables, approximately 18 people. And I was the only person who ordered ranch dressing with my pizza. I always thought of it as more of as like a Wisconsin thing. I didn't think of it as a Michigan thing. It's a Midwest thing. It's like a Michigan thing. It's a Michigan-Wisconsin thing. It's like it's called the Fat Girl Surprise. It's like, you know, the fat girls get it on their pizza, <laughs> make the pizza even more fat. It's it's amazing. It's really if you haven't tried it, you should put fucking ranch. Do you, do you eat Georgia? How do you feel about it, Georgia? I've never ever done it and I, I think that is a Midwestern thing. So I've I've never They don't do it in New York? No. No. But I don't know. I'm sure it's I believe you. What's no, the sauce you have it. with pizza in New York then? Pizza in New York? You just eat the pizza. You just eat the pizza, CD. Yeah, eat the pizza. It is funny when you go to these pizza places here, like the fancy pizza, like Little Star. You go Little Star. Little Star. You got fancy pizza places, and you'd be like, "Yeah, can I have some ranch dressing?" And they're just like, "Huh? What? Why? Why? Why are they Asian?" No, they they look at you like, ah, like they're just shocked, like appalled. But this was how I felt in Michigan, which is weird. I thought everybody would get it. And I'm like, uh, can I get ranch dressing? They're like, you're putting ranch dressing on your pizza? Like, they're stunned. How hmm. oh, uncouth. Did they all clutch their pearls and some of them fainted? <laughs> well, like, one guy was just like, I don't get it. How do you eat it? I'm like, you pour the fucking ranch dressing on it and then you eat it. It's I, like, demonstrated. Crust. And, yeah, you dip your crust in it. A couple of people were like, oh, I've done that before, but it's been years. Oh, like yeah, they've I mean, given what, it up. People Dink, dunk their uh, buffalo like wings and like uh, yeah they do that in ranch blue and blue cheese ranch or blue cheese yeah so it doesn't yeah I, I, I was I was stunned Over I always here, thought it was a Michigan thing the, no in the UK especially in England it's garlic mayonnaise. Garlic mayonnaise is a big fucking deal over here, and that's what you dunk your crusts in. Garlic mayo. Is that what you guys call uh, smegma? Garlic mayo. I w- hey, I tell you, smegma <laughs> tasted as nice as garlic mayo. <laughs> All my so, uh, boyfriends would not wash as often. I ended up hanging out with uh, my old roommate from college. I haven't seen like God, probably 11, 12 years. He had like kids and everything now. And uh, he comes and picks me up at this. I didn't get a car. And he lives like, I don't know, some suburb of Detroit. And he comes and picks me up in my hotel in this like vintage 80s Corvette that he bought during the pandemic. <laughs> This is not homosexual in any way whatsoever. Two dudes with the top down in the car. In a convertible, too. And I'm just like, and it's fucking hot. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, why do you you have that? Like, It's just weird. He's just like, he's got a lot of money because he's he's done really well. And so um, he's just like, I don't know, why not? I'm like, a red Corvette. And it's like one from the 80s. But he's like fucking Fire hauling ass. He was going like 135 miles an hour down the highway in this fucking convertible Corvette. You should have seen my Jufro. It was just like just everywhere. And then we like go to, go to get like some food and I'm just kind of like, what the fuck? Like it was just so weird to have a car like that. Fiber Did everyone life. think you were his lesbian lover? I don't know what they thought I was. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I don't know. Like he abducted me from... Jewish old age home or something. But uh, yeah, but anyway, I was thinking about like if you were to get 
your midlife crisis. Because this guy's definitely in midlife crisis mode. You could tell. He's mm-hmm. like probably, he's my age. I'm, we're like, I'm like midlife crisis age. You know, where you're, we you have a family. He's on second marriage. You know, he's got, a, he's got, you know, cute kids or whatever. Two kids are growing and then he has a younger one now. And so uh, we're driving around. He's just like, you want some life advice from me? And I'm older than this dude too. <laughs> he's like, you want some life advice? <laughs> he's like, don't ever have fucking kids. They'll ruin your fucking life. He's like, 140 miles an hour in the Corvette. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I've already made that decision. That's, yeah, well aware of that. But yeah, it was, it was really odd. But I was thinking like, what would you, you know, if you were to get your midlife crisis car, like right now, what would you buy? Uh, Corvette. You get Corvette? No. A red oh. one. <laughs> a red Corvette. I mean, it's cool. It's very vintage. It's like 80s. Like, a, I don't know. He bought it from some old guy. That like lived down the street that just was like, I'm moving into an old age home, don't need it anymore. You can have it for like 15 grand. Just broke Mine would be paid if, in cash. If someone no. gave me a quarter of a mil, I would have a Ferrari Daytona all the live long day. Ferrari any Daytona. Ni- any 1960s Ferrari is, is f- fucking A okay with me. They're all gorgeous. My other dream car is um, very chavish. I had a boyfriend who had one, and I have great memories of that summer that we spent just freewheeling in his 1992 Toyota MR2 with the T-bar roof in the color white a with Toyota the lights. Wow. It's, it's a fucking great car. Hey man, Toyota's <laughs> underrated. You wanna make a Northern slag wet? Just on that back seat. Get a Toyota, <laughs> Toyota MR2 and guess what? It's only a two-seater, D. Simon. There is no fucking back seat. Wow. <laughs> you know what I would get? I would get a Smokey and the Bandit uh, Trans Am. Trans Am Firebird. Like a 70s? Like, like, uh, yeah. I'm a 78. You know, I'm With still kind of- With the Firebirds. Oh, Do you for want the sure. Firebird? Yeah. Black. I, I still kind of- The T-bar I'm, roof. I've yeah. been thinking of getting one anyway, because they're not even that expensive. You can get a, a one for like 26 grand. Yeah. Which isn't that bad, but I know it would get ripped off in like, I don't know, yeah. 10 minutes here yeah. in LA. Right. So I'm just like, ah, fuck it. Or like a Challenger. Like those are- those Plus, are... oh yeah, Dodge Challengers are Challenger great cars. Would be great. Once you start getting classic cars, though, you're going to have to go and take some basic, like, mechanics. Because otherwise, your your beauty is going to be in the shop every other week. So you, yeah. you, you have to learn how to look after them and maintain them. I just want to wash it in my front yard, just blasting some guns and fucking roses. <laughs> with your Daisy Dukes <laughs> on. Yeah, with my Daisy Dukes. <laughs> and your cowboy boots. Me and JoJo saw Guns N' Roses last night. Hell yeah. I feel... Yeah. I feel feel bad for both of you i think axel pissed himself (laughs) it's just it's just crotch sweat that's a lot of crotch sweat i'm gonna post a picture i'll post a picture to to my instagram so you can see it but it's a lot of crotch sweat some people sweat down there i think it was i think it was urine (laughs) a lot lot of dudes like i read that ozzy the reason he poured water all of himself is shows because he pisses himself yeah but he's retarded <laughs> to get to those high levels, I mean, your pelvic floor like, muscles got to give out, Jojo. He sings like five octaves. I know. That's like a that's a lot on your pelvic floor muscles. And he's, I mean, he's also he's, a fat fat sack of shit these days. He is a fat slob, and he kept changing T-shirts. He's not that. Fat. Um, I mean, come on. How old is gay. he? How old is he? He's hefty compared to Duff and Slash. Yeah, but I mean, he's not that bad. He's like uh, he's an older guy. Give him a break. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll cut him some slack, although I'm still going to post a picture of him pissing. Jojo's, <laughs> Jojo's wife, Axel Rose, that he's defending. I mean, you've just, you just seen so many men loved Jojo's shirt. He was wearing a Colt shirt. You were the belle of the ball, I would say. 
Yeah, lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, next it was like what 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 concert? Like what was it was a concert shirt, right? Like a no, was it from yeah, a cult show? Yeah, it was. Show? I mean, I, I saw the cult and I got the shirt, but it was just a like cult, what year? Uh, I don't know. This is like eight years ago or so, but. It was just a fucking cult shirt and just all dudes. these. It was like a magnet for drunk middle aged men. Like they're just coming and be like, Cole. Yeah. I like the, I like that. I like that man. I, was, that I was at that. I was there. I was there. I was like at the floor. <laughs> I was at that show. And Joe was like, this one dude was just really close talking. He's wasted. And you you kept backing up, and the guy kept getting closer and closer. Yeah. He felt his bulge. Yeah. <laughs> But he voted to see how much you loved Ian and the band. Yeah, but you it's could wear that if, uh, if you want to pull some drunk middle-aged men. Right. Yeah, it's are you going to ever wear now. that shirt again to a show? Now I know. Are you, are no, you you're just no. never going <laughs> to? I mean, it's I'm talking very... like six men. Like at least six. Shit. That's definitely like, your pull-in shirt, man. It's got it's got pulling. testosterone and covered in it. That's not including like the homeless guy who was like, "What do you say, yo, peace dog?" Oh yeah, the, when we were walking up, he was like, "Peace dog." Yeah. Peace okay, dog. seven, seven men. We're really drunk men. We're really into uh, Joe's shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's your new nickname now, Joe. Yeah. Joe, peace dog. <laughs> it's a weird venue, though, the Bank of California. It was strange. It's like where they the the soccer team plays chaotic and just yeah it was just i don't know and also just like i haven't been to a big concert in a while and then it was just oh, the so covid COVID. yeah it was just... weird because you're like packed with people and you're obviously no one's wearing a mask yeah did you have to oh, show a vax thought... card no. yeah we didn't have to show vax cards either i thought you had to wear masks now no, has that been gotten rid all. of i mean it was open ah. it's it was it's not a it was thing. yeah it was out it was outdoors it wasn't because i think a lot yeah. of they've canceled a lot of indoor uh shows Okay. recently you know what the most fucked up thing about that place was so we're standing in line to go get beer and i'm like oh i see some people holding a miller light cup like a plastic miller light cup i'm like sweet i got miller light and so i get up there and i ordered you know two miller lights you know they had miller light cups but only like heineken or uh nice. like dos Equis or some other fancy beers yeah beers that cost like it was like i don't know for two beers 38 dollars I'm like, well, why the fuck don't you have Miller Lite, but you have the cup? She's like, it's strange. <laughs> so, I, I, right, right, right. Back up, back up. The I almost beep, wrote a screed. Beep, beep, beep. You are slagging off the fact that they had Heineken, which is a real 5% Belgian beer, because you wanted Miller fucking Lite. Oh, they have fucking cups that said Miller Lite on it. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to get some Millers. And I, in my I, mind, I was like, I'm going to get some fucking Millers. So you and Jojo went on a date in your cult t-shirts and you couldn't get your Miller Lights. And now, yeah. I was wearing a Playboy right t-shirt, but no one liked that. <laughs> the Playboy and the cult. <laughs> I was just really sorely disappointed. It was, some, it was deceptive. It was false advertising. It was, so, D, what color skin would you say that Slash has? What ethnicity would you say that Slash is? I already know this because we talked about this in the outtakes, but I made <laughs> I a comment. I made a comment that he looked very tanned. And he goes, Well, he's a mulatto, which is, I don't even think you're supposed to say that word. Now you're not you're That's supposed to say That's what JoJo said. Right. No, but I JoJo said he is was a like, mixed race, man. JoJo's like, Oh, he's a mulatto. <laughs> <laughs> I said he has skin the color of cafe au lait. I, I didn't think he was that dark skinned. He's always had darker skin. But did he look kind of tan? Like he got a little tan. 
I think he, I think he looks. I think he looks like what he's supposed to look like. Well, the one thing about Slash I did notice, he did not have a piss-stained crotch like Axel. It's true. Yeah, and so he was just as. I mean, he was working just as hard. How come he wasn't covered in sweat? Because it's piss. <laughs> I think I those think... pants that Axel had on as well deserve to be covered in piss because where did he pick that? They look like they've come from like the wo- woman's section. Yeah, Forever like Twenty One. I think he 20, got those. Yeah, about twenty years ago, <laughs> and he's just not got rid of them. He's like fat sausage meat legs was spilling through the ribs. <laughs> well, he's wearing like a, I don't know what those were. Like uh... you said, he was like look like spandex. No, you know, what are those? What's it, like those girdles that women? He wear? had a girdle. Yeah, a girdle. The Spanx. Oh, Spanx. It looks like he was wearing yeah. Spanx. That's what he was wearing. Like black. Well, maybe Spanx. that's why. Right, if you wear Spanx, it Do makes you, you need. You sweat more because it's obviously like polyester. And also it makes you need to piss more because there's more pressure on your bladder. So that would explain why he's pissing his pants so much. So but could it be a combination of urine and ball sweat? Yeah, it could totally be a combination of both. Can you imagine, ooh, how much money to suck his dick after that gig would it take? I'm sure there are plenty of girls willing to do that. Guaranteed, yeah. Really? Definitely. Oh, for sure. For sure. Set on none. Um, so Jojo, you've been uh, been in town this week, uh, doing some tattooing over at Alchemy. Doing some tats. How's it working? Doing How's it working tats. for you? It's been good. Doing some. Did you tattoo any buttholes? No buttholes. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> you, still you... A, you still have a no butthole policy, though, right? Still no po- no. Buttholes. Are you not booked no in for Monday <laughs> for your gooch? <laughs> Just yeah, gooch tattoo. <laughs> like Guns N' Roses logo. I just want Axel's piss paint, like piss stained drawers. That's what I want. <laughs> so you two have been together like the odd couple then for the week. Well, I, I was in Michigan, so I just got back on Wednesday, like Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. Yeah, but, and then I was working. And we're fucking going on a road trip this weekend. That's why we're doing an interview on the show. Yeah. 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 Road so tripping. On a little holiday together. You, Thelma and Louise. Both, both been in West Hollywood together too long now. We're going to get put on our cult shirts, head to Arizona. Yeah. AZ. Phoenix Knights. Fuck yeah. That's what it's going to be. Buy some leather while you're in Arizona. Get some new leathers, both of you. Is that a thing? Possibly. We're going to go- Of uh, course we, that's a thing. We so want to go to the, Rob Halford's house. That's that's the goal. That's why we're Well, he'll there. definitely let you both in because he knows. He you know, he will have heard about you at the meetings. I've seen Judas Priest several times, probably about like five or six times. And Rob Helford's, I don't know, what, like 15 to 20 years older than Axel? Yeah. How many times have you ever seen any like piss-stained pants on Rob Helford? Never. 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 He's a professional. Yeah, that guy can hold his urine while he's performing. Yeah. I think <laughs> and so. And his notes. <laughs> So, Joe, uh, you went to high school in, uh, was it Long Island? Yeah. Was your high, what was the mascot? Uh, huh, I don't think there was a mascot. How, how can you not have a mascot? At a high school? Yeah, like you're, like, what was your mascot, K Rambo? We didn't, we don't have anything like that. But we had, much like Harry Potter, we had clubhouses and you would all belong to like Is a different house. Is that where you played Quidditch? Quidditch. No, Were you, you, would, you would you would win points for your clubhouse. No, I was in the Tudors. The Tudors are those like the Tudors. good magicians, the good wizards. 
Um, I don't like, know. I just remember our symbol was the red, red rose. Was there one like and... Bumblebore for whatever? Is that what the I've Dumbledore? I've not seen Harry Potter. Do I look like <laughs> the type of fucker who has seen Harry I Potter? I thought it was a law. To do with it? I thought you can't what? get NHS unless you've seen Harry, at least two Harry Potter movies. I fucking hope not because I'm fucked then, aren't I? <laughs> I can't believe you, you, you neither one of you that had a mascot in your high school. Mm. I, Did so you go we... to school with the Wu-Tang Clan, Jojo? With the what? No, they're Did you go to school with the Wu Tang Clan? Oh, were they? No, they're I Staten thought they were Island, Long Island. No, it was Long Long Island. They are. Yeah. No, I I was Long Island. They're Staten Island. They're Staten Island. Oh, yeah, they... yeah. However, Damn if it. you want to talk about the Wu Tang Clan, uh, I did get a uh, what's his name? Riza did give me a, a little portable uh, chess set. <gasps> when I really? House of Shields. Oh, he came in there they and did a, uh, somehow my the, my boss knew somebody and they did a because Riza's super into chess. And like there was a little well, bit of like, like a chess match thing before the like bar opened, and I had to like bartend it or whatever. Were you wearing a cult shirt? And I was wearing a cult shirt, and it really <laughs> so kept talking up. to me. And it was like super, and I was like, hey. and I was like, why are you talking to me? Uh, That's weird though. He just gave you a chess set. And he was like, here's a chess set, bro. Does he have well, like game... many of them? Like was it Wu Tang branded? No, it was nothing cool. It was just like he was like a traveling one where you like roll it up. That's so cool. weird. Was, yeah, it was. Do you still have it? I, nah, I threw it away, I think. <laughs> <laughs> a game of chess is not like a sword fight for Georgia. I love Ungrateful, chess, but I yeah. just, it was like, I wasn't going to, who was like, I don't know. I don't you probably could sell on eBay. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. My, my high school was the uh, the Garber Dukes. The Dukes. The people used the to call Dukes. us the Garber Pukes. Mm. That, was the, that was the term. But it's weird. I thought everybody had a mascot. Was it John Wayne? Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Was it um, John Wayne? No, it was like, like. It actually was like a a knight. It didn't even look like a duke. Right. Okay. I don't even know why why they called it that. So okay, so if you don't have any mascots, how many uh, pedophiles do you have in your high school district? <laughs> oh, don't. We're not even going to get into this. We all know you're the winner. <laughs> you sound a little jealous. A little jelly. A little zero. Jelly uh, zero. No, in my no way. You had none. Yes, way zero. I went to a grammar school. We had it was very progressive, so we had two lesbian teachers who were in love, but we had no pedophiles. No pedos at all. Like not even. What about in zero your neighborhood? Um, none that I can remember in my neighborhood. There probably was. It's bizarre. It's hard, hard to tell in England though. Everyone's kind of like on the, on the yeah. Edge. Everyone's on the Nazi yeah, spectrum. On the border. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. What about? So you never any pedos in your high school at all? Like teachers. Uh, that I know of, I don't yeah, they got busted while you're there or anything. No, uh, I mean, pretty, it was pretty much consensual between me. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's where you got the culture. <laughs> like pre- pretty much, <laughs> free time it has become pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, so. My high school, we had I think four, which is weird. Wow. Yeah, four. So there, there's obviously Gordy, Gordy, Mark C. Ashworth. Ah, uh, this guy, this is in the two in the 80s that I didn't really know this before my time, but I think one guy, well, Gordy was 80s too, but there's a guy named like, he was a gym teacher named like Pete, some, something like that. I forget the guy. I, I heard stories of those two, but the only two that I ever knew was, was Gordy and Ashworth. And then that's not even counting all the, like the, the Catholic high school had s- several priests that diddled. Father Naturally. Bob. Yeah, which that makes a little more sense. But we had, yeah, we had... Like kind of a, an unusual amount of pedophiles. There was a in the town like next to mine. There was a a priest that got that got busted for that, and his his name was Father Hands. 
Father Hands? No way. It's true. H-A-N-D-S. That's his surname. Father Hands. He lived up to his name. Wow. And before he became a priest, he was Mr. Hands. Mr. Hands. That's weird. Super weird. That's unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, It is. In the paper, and I was like, what the fuck? Father Hands. You can't even get a better name than that. Wow. Let him lay his hands upon you. Oh, yeah. That's that's like a horror movie villain. Father Hands. Yeah, man. Mr. Hands. That's crazy. So anyway, the reason I'm asking about pedophiles is, well, to boast a bit about how many we had in my school <laughs> district, which we did have a lot. I mean, it's, it definitely sets us apart from other school districts. I don't know if it's because we had more sexier kids or if it's they just didn't really care about who they hired, <laughs> like no vetting process at all. Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I, mean, I do it's have, a bit of both. I have a theory about it. I think what happened back then, I don't think it happens as much now, is that teachers from like the East Coast or whatever would would diddle some kids or like, you know, in like Ohio or something in the school district, rather than drawing attention, would just be like, you got to go. And they wouldn't, they would just be like, get out of the, get out of the area. And the person would just leave and go to another school and do it again. And so I know Mark Ashworth had been, had been molesting kids for like a period of 15 years at all these other school districts until he finally got busted in uh, Essexville, Michigan, where, where we were. And he was like a leader of like, like a Cubs, like a wee below troop. I think it was like with the Weeblos. Weeblos. Yeah, the Weeblos. Yeah. yeah, that was like a thing, like cub, some kind of Cub Scouts. But they I was, be- in the we- I was a Weeblo. Right. You were a Weeblo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were not. Were I you was, really you were was. a Weeblo. Yeah. What's the difference between a Weeblo and a Cub Scout? Well, Cub Scout, okay, I don't know what the difference I don't know what becomes before. I think I was like a Cub Scout and a Weeblo or something. And it's, it's, you're like, uh, it's what you're, you're, you're made to do when you're in like, uh, you made Grammar to be a weeblow? Like you, you I, I don't. Yeah, it, I hated it. I remember, I remember it, it was awful. <laughs> we, they don't exist here, very thankfully. I remember uh, I, I tried to be in the Cub Scouts in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and they're just like no Jews. Really? <laughs> yes. No. May yeah, I no Jews, no black people either. Oh. <laughs> was, oh. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, it was apartheid. The era of apartheid. But so Mr. Ashworth, Mark, Mark C. Ashworth, because you always have to have the, the middle initial. Mark C. Ashworth, um, when, he bu- when he got busted, there were like articles in the newspaper. Because he was like, I had him like in eighth grade, because I was only here for about half the year in eighth grade. So I only had him for like half the year. Um, never molested me. Fine. I fully understand that. I wasn't, a very, I wasn't an attractive kid. Yeah. I, I totally get that. It's fine. Um, but anyway, when they published an article about it, they were like, Mark Ashworth was leader of a Rebelo troop, and he would encourage group masturbation sessions in his home. And there were like two kids that were Weeblos that obviously attended. Now everybody knows that they were, you know, went to group masturbation sessions at Ashworth's home. And one of these kids, I don't want to say his name just in case, but uh, um, anyway, this kid, uh, his he was like a perfect candidate. Like his sister just died of cancer. And like his parents were divorced, you could just tell he was like you know a perfect like target for a pedophile, and yeah, I mean he he ended up like getting molested several times. Later on, I guess he sued the Cub Scouts or Weeblos or whatever, and got like two million dollars, dropped out of high school. He's yeah. <laughs> like, fuck it, start wearing like a fur coat around town. I mean, it, it fucks you up. It's it, it, getting molested by, you know, getting molested. It's it's hard to overcome that, and so that's why um, when. Uh, a fan sent me this story about uh, Jody Plochet. 
it was a famous case from uh, from like 1984. A fan sent this in, and I was like, you know, at first I was thinking maybe we'll just cover this, and then I started reading about Jody Plochet, and uh, and he just wrote a book. So this guy Nathan sent this in. He goes, "Hey D, this is a great little story. You might want to use it in the show. It's basically about a boy that gets kidnapped and molested by his karate teacher, and then once he's arrested, he's led through uh, um, some." Oh, he's kind of got the uh, story wrong, but he's led through a building by some cops and the dad of the molested boy is hiding on the phone and shoots the karate teacher in the head on TV. But that's not exactly what happened. He did get he did get arrested or he did get abducted by his uh, karate teacher, driven out to California. And then the karate teacher got arrested because the cops found them, got arrested. And then on his way, they ended up extraditing him back to Louisiana where the crime occurred, and the dad, yeah, like met him at the airport and shot Jeff Doucette, the karate instructor, like point blank in the head. And you can see this on YouTube. Like yeah, right now, if you, you can go search see on YouTube. Deadbug also covered this on um, To Live and Die on the Camera Eye. So you can see Deadbug's spin on the whole tale, too. That, that's an interesting episode of Deadbug, too, because he's got like, it's like a, a three series, like a three, but there's like three stories, yeah. like three vignettes of people who died on TV. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. very good episode. High tier Deadpool. It's, it's got one of uh, one of my favorite things is the dude. I remember this too from That's Incredible. Was like jumping out of a plane. No, he was hang gliding and the thing broke, and he had a camera yeah. on him and it was just tumbled to earth. And you could see the video, and then yeah, I mean you can watch the video as he's just coming closer and closer to earth, wow. and just smashes. I, I don't know. I think he actually. I think he fell in like a pig pen, right? He did, and then <laughs> he, he got eaten. eaten. By pigs. He got eaten by pigs. <laughs> <laughs> kind of morbid, but this this story, Jody Plachet, Nathan, who sent this in, it was kind of funny too. Uh, he sent the uh, Wikipedia, and then he goes, "Oh, and I got accused of being a dogger from Essex last time I emailed in. I can tell you there are loads of dogging places here. Only problem, they're all full of sausage." Well, thank you, Nathan. You How would he know? Yeah, you yeah. dogger. <laughs> uh, but Nathan's really into the Jody Plachet story, and so I started looking into it. And uh, Jody Plochet just wrote a memoir, well, a few years ago, called Why Gary Why, uh, which is what the police officer said to his father after his father shot the karate instructor point blank in the head. He's like, why, Gary, why? As he's like holding his gun up, actually shielding him from the other cops as well. Uh, but he wrote a book called Why Gary Why, the Jody Plochet story. And um, I, you know, I emailed him. I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm interested in your story. It's it's kind of fascinating. I'd love to have you on the show." And he's like, "All right, cool. Totally open to an interview." So um, yeah, so we chatted with him um, just about you know what happened, you know what he went through, and then the aftermath of it all. It's a, it's a very interesting story. So let's uh, let's play that interview. <laughs> Hey, Jody, how's it going? It's Dean and Kate here from Sick and Wrong. Uh, things are going well, or is it good to be as expected during this pandemic time? Yeah, I, I can True. imagine. Is it, still, is it pretty bad? You're in uh, like the south, right? Like Louisiana? I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's about an hour uh, away from New Orleans, and I, I, I've gotten both my shots, so I'm vaccinated. Um, things have kind of gotten back to normal, but now within the last week, they've had some spikes, so who knows what the governor is going to do next. But uh yeah we're just trying to get back to normal 
Yeah, I know uh, you're kind of in the minority down there. I've heard in like Florida and in a lot of those southern states, everyone's like, it's a pandemic and they don't even bother with the vaccine. Well, Florida, I know, has been open. Texas is pretty open. Um, I figured I went ahead and got the vaccine because they're going to require it. I mean, look at like what the NFL is doing as far as their situation where if a team you know has an outbreak, they're going to have to forfeit the game yeah. if they're not vaccinated. So I figured it's something that's going to be mandatory. So why fight it? It's free. So I went and got it. Yeah, me, yeah. me too. It's just I don't want to get the COVID. I'd rather take my gamble with the vaccine, you know, grow like a, I don't know, a third dick or something. I'll take my chances. <laughs> well, I- I, I broke out with shingles, and I think that was from the first shot. Oh, so, really? Oh. Yeah. That chicken pox virus has been laying dormant in my body for 42 years. and was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could. I mean, it might affect your immune system. All right. So, Jody, um, I want to get to uh, talking about your book, Why Gary Why, the uh, the story, the Jody Poche story uh, that you recently put out. But um, just, to, just to ask you some questions about the book and about your experience, so everything happened with the book. This was like around the early 80s. You're probably about my age. So this would have been like, what, what year did uh, you, were you I, abducted? Uh, the, I met the karate instructor um, probably like late 1982. Um, took karate all throughout uh, 1983. And it was in February of 1984 where he eventually abducted me and took me from my home in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We traveled to his mom's house in Port Arthur, Texas. And from there, we took a bus from Orange, Texas to Los Angeles. To Los Angeles. Wow. So what did your parents think of uh, Jeff Doucette, right? Doucette, is that what you say his name? Yeah, Jeff Doucette. Um, you know, I mean, he, he groomed the whole family. So there was a time where, you know, we, he was welcome to the house. And, and, you know, my mom and dad liked him. He, he thought he was good for, you know, us kids because uh, he was so good with the kids. Like, he's too good with kids, um, but they didn't know that then. So obviously when he had the whole family groom, they thought he was a great guy. So they didn't think it was on that you were like, what, like 11, 12 years old. I was 10 and 11 when the uh, kidnapping occurred. So I was 10 when I took most of my karate with him and then 11 when the uh, kidnapping occurred. But uh, they didn't think it was odd that a 10 or 11 year old was hanging out with some 20 year old guy. He's like, what, like 25? He was 20, 23, 24. 24? I think he was 25 when he, when he uh, died. But, yeah, he's not a relative. Uh, and he's, you're like, you know, hanging out with a guy. I would have been like, what are you, what's going on here? Times were well, different back then, D. Yeah, well, that's it, true. Times were different back then. But the way he had it set up is he had a karate fighting team and we would travel to competitive tournaments oh. like, like you would see in the movie Karate Kids. So that, there's a reason why he had a van full of kids because we're all fighting in the tournaments. He'd take us to Astroworld. If we go to Houston, we'd go ice skating. We'd go to the mall. We'd go to the movies. So this didn't right. seem out of the ordinary. So was he groomed? Do you think he was grooming the other kids as well? He, they groom everybody. It ain't just you know the other kids. Yeah. I mean, he, even the kids he weren't molesting. You know, he had to make them feel comfortable around him. So he he had to groom everybody. So did you? So when this was going on, did you think? Did you have any idea you were actually being groomed, or were you just completely like, you know, no, unsuspecting? I mean, well, I guess I, I probably didn't recognize the the beginning grooming part. You know, where he shows you the good side. I mean, you just thought this was another karate teacher who was fun to be around. But once he started the inappropriate sexual touching and ultimately the inappropriate sexual behavior, I knew something was wrong with this guy. In the, in the book, you mentioned that you kind of go into it. It's like he's testing boundaries, like testing the waters. So what would he do? Would he like, you know, rub your shoulders, like things like that? Um, looking back at it, the first thing I think that he did was like we would have to uh, – We'd have to stretch 
um, you know, because well, in karate, karate, you know, like, yeah, kick, karate kick your leg up. Yeah. So, but while we'd be stretching, he'd come behind us and he'd put his hands on our hips behind us, but then he'd be like, Oh, let me feel you're, you're tight right here. And that was just him kind of making it normal for him to touch around um, our private parts. And I think that's where he first started with that. Yeah. And then it eventually led to driving a car uh, where he just had to put his hands somewhere and then he put them in my lap, but then he'd move them. And so I was like thinking, okay, well, did he mean to do that? And then they'd go back and I'm thinking, Oh, well, he has to put his hands somewhere and then he'd move them. And so he, he, would gradually do things like that until uh we were going crawfish one time crawfishing one time and uh we were staying a night over they were going that next morning that saturday morning to catch crawfish and that night is when i knew okay this is when this guy this guy ain't doing this on accident because he just sat there and literally played with me all night long yeah wow yeah so so he had been testing the waters to see what he can get and was he like giving you gifts and things like that is that part of the grooming process um, it is part of the grooming process, but I mean, say gifts. I mean, if we would go to, uh, the arcade, you know, he might give me $10 to go get quarters to play video games. I mean, so yeah, he was doing things like that, basically but, rewarding me. But yeah, but he was your teacher. So you already trusted him and the family trusted him. And did, did your, your brothers took karate too, right? Yes. My two brothers took karate as well. So let's talk about the abduction. So things definitely took a turn. This is what, February 19th, 1984, so you, you boarded a Greyhound bus, went to his mother's in Texas. Um, Actually, he, he borrowed my mother's car and took we, me to Texas. So oh, he, we, left wow. the, my, we left my mother's car at a gas station, and then we took the bus from Orange, Texas to Los Angeles. Oh, so he stole your mother's car? Yeah, basically. Wow. And so then and then we got on the bus. I read that uh, he, like, dyed your hair. And he shaved his beard. So what was the what was the end game here? Like, what was his plan? Did, was he going to say like I'm your he's your dad now or something? He was going to try to pass me off as his child, his son. Um, I don't know if he had an end game. I mean, you take an 11 year old boy to some motel in Anaheim, California. Do you really have that good of a game plan, especially when you don't have any money <laughs> saved up? Yeah. You so had he? Do you think he'd planned it out, or do you think it was a kind of spur of the moment? Now is the right time. His brother had lived in California when his brother was in the Marine Corps and Jeff had gone to live with him for a while. So in his brain, he's like, I, I want to go to California. So that's why he picked California. No other reason that his brother had lived there before. Yeah, it was spontaneous. So what were you thinking during this time? Were you just like, uh, I want to go back home? I'm not your son. Yeah. yeah. I was just riding it out, actually. I mean, I figured at some point he would get caught and I didn't want to upset him in the process. But I mean, on the flip side, I mean, we did, we actually went to Disneyland one day. So, um, you know, he still was given the role. Yeah. Yeah. He was still given a reward by taking me to Disneyland. I mean, it, you know, it was just the price of Disneyland was more than the ticket. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, but he let you call your mom, though, which I was kind of surprised. Eventually. After a week, after a week, he said, "Call your mother, let her know that you're okay." And I think he did that because he realized he was running out of money, and there wasn't nothing he could do. So either he was going to turn himself in or get caught. And look, if you're if you're on the run with a kid and you call someone collect, uh, you're asking to get caught, and that's what he eventually did. We he called my mother collect. My, they asked for time and charges, which back then the operator would come back on the phone and tell you how long that conversation was and how much it was going to cost. And so, yeah, so she asked for time and charges, and that's when Mike Barnett with the Baton Rouge Sheriff's Department got on and said, look, I need to know the origin of that call. I need the address. I need the room number. I, excuse me. I need everything about that call, and that's 
they called the Anaheim police, the FBI, and then that's how they caught us. Did they like raid the hotel or did he just come out with his hands up? No, they came busting in the room, guns pointing everywhere. Uh, oh, wow. Shook me up. Yeah, it shook me up because I was closest to the door. He was on the other side of the bed on the phone talking to my mother, and they grabbed me and pulled me out. I never saw him after that again. But I just remember uh, shaking and being scared. And they were like, do you need a coat? Do you need a jacket? Are you cold? I said, no, I'm not cold. They said, why are you shaking? I said, I'm scared. They said, oh, don't worry. You don't have to be scared. I was like, I'm like, y'all just scared the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> just, I can't unscare me. You, know? <laughs> you just bash the door down. You would think they would try to do like the hotel surrounded, come out. But uh, uh, the SWAT team, I guess, just bashed it. Like, so knows, how, long you, how long were you on the run with him for? I think uh, I was gone 10 days. So probably eight and a half of those was with him. I was, I stayed at some uh, neglected kids home for a day. I got there at like four in the morning and I flew out that night at one Oh, the next day at one Oh five on March 1st, 1984. My flight was out of LAX at like one ten in the morning. And yeah. I got stuck on the Pacific ocean side of the plane. I couldn't see nothing but black ocean. And then I could see that the plane was turning. I could see through the other side of the plane lights, but I was excited to sit by the window, but I couldn't see nothing. <laughs> so your parents must have been freaking out. They knew, obviously, yeah. who, who the suspect was here, that he that he abducted you. Yeah, I don't think that they thought that he would harm me other than the, the you know, sexual abuse, which, yeah. by, which by the time they had flown me home, they suspected. I denied it. Um, after they broke into the hotel room, they took me to the hospital. Well, first they took me to the Anaheim Police Department. I denied it. Then they took me to the hospital. So I knew once the hospital report came back, then I wouldn't be able to deny it anymore. And that's exactly what happened. I just denied it until the hospital report came back. That way I didn't tell on him because, I mean, remember, I'm thinking he's never going to jail. Um, so that way I didn't tell on him. He got himself caught. And that's so why I was Even at be, that be, point, after the cops busted down the doors and arrested him, you still thought he didn't do anything wrong. No, no, I knew he did something wrong. I just wasn't okay. going to be the one to rat, rat him out. Oh, he didn't want to. Yeah. Rat I didn't him think out. he was. I didn't think he was going to go to jail. So I figured he would get off. He, you know, probably get probation and then come back at me for telling on him. Yeah, and be but angry I, with you. Yeah, but I didn't yeah. tell on him. He got himself caught. But I mean, obviously, it never came to that. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, so you returned home. Um, and I'm sure your parents are overjoyed to see you safe and uh, return to Baton Rouge. So then, what? How did your father find out that Jeff Doucette was coming back to Baton Rouge to go on trial? All right. So when my dad was younger, he was a cameraman at a news station, and oh, wow. he he used to uh, basically eat lunch almost every day at this place called the Cotton Club, which is about a, less than a half a mile away from the news station. So he still knew everybody at the news station. He still was friends with everybody at the news station. And that's why he had the connections for them on on March 1st to go to New Orleans to sh show me arriving home from from being kidnapped. So they were doing a follow-up story to that story a couple weeks later when my karate teacher was coming back. So that's why they had the cameras there. It was a guy at lunch on that Friday that asked my dad, what time are they bringing your boy back? And my dad said, I think he's back already. He said, no, no, I think he's coming in the night. He got up, went and made a phone call and told my dad, no, he's coming in at 9.08 uh, tonight. Wow. So, your so dad it was a guy from the news station who created a new story. Not not quite what I think he thought he was creating, but you know he got more than he'd bargained for. He wow. So he got he, a scoop. He yeah. got an insider tip here. So did you really think your dad was capable of doing what he did? Cause so he, he put it on the disguise, went to the airport, 
and everyone knows what happened, but he shot Jeff in the head as he was walking by. Did you think your dad was capable of doing that? No, I don't think I, I mean, I, I joke around with people all the time and say, oh, they, why didn't you tell? I'm like, cause I, you know, I knew my dad would kill him, but did I really think my dad would do it? I think he probably would have, you know, fought him or beat him up or injured him in some way, but not, you know, gun blazing, you know, 360 no scope, you know, 38 to the head. I didn't, you know, right. I didn't yeah, so they kept point that. blank yeah. range in, in front, front of, of news cameras to putting on the disguise. Well, I mean, it was so premeditated. Well, in his defense, had he planned it, I don't think he would have pulled it off. I think he went to the airport not knowing really what he was going to go do with the gun in his boot. And then when he saw his face, that's when he told his friend, he said, I'm going to shoot him. You're about to hear the shot. And he turned around and shot him. And then he hung up the phone. And, and so who was saying why, Gary, why? Was that a, was that a police officer? That was, that was Mike Burnett. He was the one my mother called whenever I was taken. He's the one that went to Port Arthur looking for me. He was the one that was on the phone when my mom was on the phone. He was there from the beginning. And he said, why, Gary? Gary, why? And he ran, and he stopped the other cop, Bud Connors, from shooting my dad. Oh. So he, he was able to protect my dad. And then my dad immediately gave up. You know, he put the phone up. Bud walked over, grabbed the phone, put the gun to his head, called him a son of a bitch, and then turned around to look at Jeff. And, you know, Jeff was dead before he hit the ground. Out. Yeah. He was, yeah, just he was... bleeding out. Yeah, I it... love it when your dad goes, you little bitch. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Is, is he thing. saying that to uh, Jeff? Uh, yeah. yeah, isn't he? I don't remember hearing that. I'll have to listen carefully. But I can hear him crying. You can hear him crying. And at yeah, one I wondered point... about the phone thing as well, because you do see him turn around. I always wondered what he was doing. And he's hanging no, on the was, phone. He, he yeah. was talking to his best friend. Wow. I mean, and uh, there was one part after about a minute and, 20 seconds where the other cop not mike barnett bud connors looks at my dad is like you know why why'd you have to do this or why the hell did you do this and that's when my dad looked up at him and said if he'd have done this to your family you would have done the same thing to you don't know and i, I think that kind of leads into the defense of him he was in a psychotic state i mean i don't think he was really and, then, and that's what they say he was unable to distinguish between right and wrong i mean and in 93 he did an interview for the show american justice with bill curtis on A&E and I, it just recently popped up on YouTube. So I watched it the other day and the judge who's dead now, he was interviewed for that show. And the judge said, you know, most sane people don't go around shooting people 10 feet in front of a, or 15 feet in front of a television camera. In front of you know, that right, there, <laughs> yeah, that right there shows you he was off, you know? Yeah. He wasn't thinking clearly. I mean, he, he had been, you know, it, it put him uh, over no, the that, edge. He had one thing he and he figured he was going to die. Like daddy figured he wasn't coming home from the airport. So he had, he had one thing he was going to do and that was to get it, Jeff. And that's, that's what he eventually did. So where were but you after? Like where were I, you when I you was, found out? My mother the next morning, I was, uh, we were out at false river at, uh, our grandparents camp. We had a camp out there and, uh, I usually would watch the news, but that particular night I fell asleep early and I, I didn't see it. And the next morning, my grandparents were all, they were all like, they were acting all weird and they were quiet and they were telling us to get back in the car. We're going back to Baton Rouge and we didn't know why. And so we went back to my grandparents' house and my mother pulled up in a cop car. So that that's what I knew. Okay. She was Whoa. with my uncle who worked for the sheriff's department. That's what I was like. Okay. Something's up. Yeah. Something's going on. <laughs> and that's when down. she, that's when she told her four kids that daddy had shot Jeff last night. And, you know, I was upset about Jeff being killed. Yeah. Technically, I don't think he was, I don't think he was dead at that moment because he, they put him in life support, kept him so they could harvest his organs uh, till the next day they declared him dead. You know, I think 
my sister said, you know, is my daddy going to jail? Um, so it was, a, you know, a, kind of a weird moment because I wasn't expecting it. I knew something was up, but I, that wasn't what I was expecting. And then they told me, uh, whatever you do, don't look at the newspapers and don't watch the news. So, of course, the first thing I did was I went and looked at the paper and watched the news. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah, I had, I had to see it. Yeah, what was your reaction, though? I mean, were you upset with your father? Did you think that Jeff deserved it? No, at first I was upset with my father because, um, one, uh, no one had known about the sexual abuse other than my family, and now it's all over the news. So that yeah, kind of let true. that little secret out. So, you know, yeah. I mean, and then and then you got his lawyer going and talking to the media saying that Jeff would give me gay magazines, which wasn't true. I mean, he was just trying to get daddy off. But, you know, there were certain things about uh the lawyer that didn't sit right with me, uh, you know, he asked me if I thought I was gay. He asked me, you know, uh, did I think I was going to, like, abuse boys when I grew up? I mean, just, like, questions, like, we're so 1984. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in this modern context, it doesn't make any sense. So was your dad, like, the hero of, of Baton Rouge from that point on? Or did it take a while for the trial and everything? Go, go, go type to a lot of people. Go, go, go type his name into Twitter and hit latest. They're talking about him today, I'm sure. Still, um, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I never experienced a negative part. Like, you hear people go, oh, the community was divided. I never saw that. Everyone supported my dad. I mean, he got letters. People would put Gary Ploche USA, and then the mail would be delivered to our house because Amazing. they didn't know our address. They would put Gary Ploche, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, USA, and they, they were coming from all over. I mean, he got... Uh, I don't want to say fan mail, but like people donating money for his defense. Um, it was, it was surreal. He was regarded as a hero. I mean, because at, at first you'd think he's, you know, they, they say the media, you know, the public was divided. Some people thought he was a vigilante. Other people thought he was a hero, but it sounds like people are like high-fiving him. Like you're a hero. Like you, you killed an evil person. Most people high-fived him. I mean, like I said, the one time we went, the first time we went on Geraldo in 1991, we're sitting there and we get the question from the audience. The first question from the audience was this older gentleman. And he said, you know, how do you trust yourself to go into a public building and start just blasting away? <laughs> and, and my dad looked at him, just kind of stared at him. And he said, when I looked at him, the barrel of that gun, I knew exactly who I was hitting. So then we go to commercial break and I look over and yeah. daddy's still staring at the guy. I said, daddy, so did you, when did you come to terms with it? I, I know your father, he went through the trial. He pled, um, wait, he pleaded no contest to manslaughter charge, got a seven year suspended sentence. So he didn't even do any time at all for this. And no, he shot like, him on a Friday night. He couldn't post bail till Monday, but no, it was probably that summer when, cause daddy moved back home. Um, after he went and got psychiatric evaluation, he moved back home and things just kind of went back to normal. And so that summer I started playing baseball again. And, and that's when everything seemed to just go back to how things were before Jeff had ever met, except we had this upcoming, I don't think my dad was indicted for nine months. Um, because the same grand jury that indicted Jeff would have been the same in grand jury, excuse me, that invited, uh, indicted my dad. Oh, and so okay. I think they, they had to wait for that grand jury to, to clear and, and get a new one. Plus, they had the DA's race at, uh, coming up. Uh, so it was on the news all the time. But it was just my normal at the time. In eighth grade, we had a uh, radio on the bus, and we'd be driving to school. Okay, The shooting happened when I was in sixth grade, but it wasn't settled until I was in eighth grade. But like eighth grade, you'd hear on the radio, in the news today, 
Gary Pelosi will be heading to uh, preliminary sentencing. Yeah, I mean, and so, <laughs> so all the crazy. kids. It's your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys were like local yeah. celebrities at this point. Like, could you go anywhere around town without being recognized? I don't. My dad knew everybody before the shooting. Oh, okay, so after already. that, yeah, after that, he he, you know, I'll even tell you a little story. I, a couple of years ago, I was uh, at Twin Peaks. Okay, well, a friend of mine, um, Hav. He was the GM at Twin Peaks. I've known him for you know 15 years. He used to live next door to my cousin. So I mean, we know, got a bunch of same mutual friends. And so I was sitting at the bar, and I was actually, I think I was working on the book. I was still working on the book. Um, and Mike Barnett and Bud Connors, the two officers that were in the airport that night, were sitting at a table, you know, two tables over, having lunch. Okay. Oh. So the owner of Twin Peaks, who didn't know me, I'd never met him. He went over to Hav and he said, come here, Hav, let me tell you something. He's like, see those two police officers right there? And I was like, yeah. He goes, back in the 80s, they were involved in this shooting that took place in the airport with this karate instructor who had kidnapped this man's son. And Hav turned it, looked at me and said, that's the son right there. Wow. And so, so he came over and was like, oh, you know, I knew your aunt, Emily. And then, so it was, I mean, this was only a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's still talked about. Wow. In front of me. <laughs> that yeah, that that is that is pretty insane. So things went back to normal, except you were going on like Geraldo Rivera, and uh, what other shows did you uh, did you go on at the time? In college, I did Geraldo. He had another show called Now It Can Be Told. We did that. Um, I went on Oprah, the Lisa Given show. I went on Montel. Wow. I went on Maury a couple times. Uh, since I've done ESPN, CNN, and Connie Chung. Um, you know, and especially after the book came out, I've done a lot of uh, podcasts and radio shows and stuff like that. But the one thing that really is is kind of upset me with all this COVID and everything is I still haven't done a national show. Like I haven't done like a Good Morning America, but we're going to work on that. I um, We're working on trying to get it turned into like a documentary, like a two-part documentary. We're also going to try to turn it into a feature film. And if that happens, then I'll republish, hopefully get full distribution. And instead of just selling my book on Amazon, you know, it'll be in bookstores yeah, and, and people can actually go. So, yeah. So, so, so that's what, the plan. What inspired you to uh, write the book? I, I know your father died with uh, complications of a stroke 2014. Was it his death that inspired you to do it? Or had you already been writing the book that whole time? I started working on the book in 1993 and I put together 27,000 words. And then I just felt like I wasn't ready. And so I graduated from LSU I moved to Pennsylvania for seven years, went and worked at a place called Victim Services Center in Montgomery County, which is just outside of Philadelphia. They're located in Norristown, across the street from the courthouse where Bill Cosby got convicted. Um, Small world. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, trust me, because when they just released him, uh, I I had a feeling that was going to happen because of the way the DA made the previous deal. Even though it wasn't in writing, you know, they still, I felt, had to honor it, which is what they ruled but uh i went there for seven years working in the community doing a education safety education risk reduction programs and so when i came back to baton rouge in 2005 i worked for my brother-in-law i was able to save up some money pay off debt which i managed to run all back up but uh so i was able to have some money and at that point i was like i got my credit score was perfect i had no debt i had money saved up i was like you know what it's time to finish the book so i hired a book writing company uh paid them a handsome i'm that really was a lot of the debt. I wish I had the money back, but I mean, that was where a lot of the, my new debt came from. But uh, so we, we worked for about six months and they came up with a, their first rough draft. 
And it was, eh, it was okay. I, I wasn't really pleased with it. Well, so that's when I went looking for the other 27,000 words. And so what you have is you have a com combination of 1993 and 2017, 2018 merged together. So I was able to use my experiences from Victim Services Center to make the book the book I wanted. And it, it came out how I wanted it. And uh, I had a local reporter when it first came out asked me why I waited so long before coming out with the book. I told him, I said, like my dad that night at the airport, I knew I only had one shot of getting it right. Yeah. And I think I think I I think I, I think I did better than him. <laughs> nah, it's, it's a great book. You sent it to me. I, I read it over the weekend. I, you know, I was kind of surprised how detailed you kind of went into with the with the assaults. Like that must have been difficult to to relive those experiences, or were they still fresh in your mind at the oh, yeah. time that oh, you what, wrote it? Or was it kind of like therapy? Did it help you to yeah. finally get it out there? As I well? don't know if it. I don't. It could have been. I don't really. I wouldn't aiming for it to be therapy. I was just trying to get information out for people who have never been through something like this so that they could have a general understanding, people who had gone through something similar where it could be something inspiring to victims. And I also wanted to be entertaining. If you go look yeah. and read uh, the last um, Amazon review, I mean, it literally says, this book is funny. Not what you'd expect to hear about a book about child rape, yeah. murder, and kidnapping. <laughs> but, you know, there are parts that I'm, I meant it to be funny. I wanted to be a reflection of my personality. And then I try to be funny. I joke about it. You know, my friends get really uncomfortable. I mean, I made a, a joke last night. We were watching some, we were watching some, some dating, one of those dating shows or whatever. And they, like reality dating shows and they ask the girls who are asking the guys how many people have they been with and i was sitting with my mother watching it with another friend of mine and i was like well do i count jeff or not like <laughs> <laughs> i think you're on the right podcast yeah. <laughs> so now are you a uh, victim's rights advocate like do you um you know help uh victims of sexual assault like, uh, I, I, I hope to get back to doing that as far as like direct services. I don't, I, I don't, but to publicly speak, raise awareness and let other victims know that you can survive something like this and be a, a, an example. Um, yeah, I plan on doing that till that, uh, that's great. I also read that you do a cooking show on YouTube. What, what kind of food do you cook? Oh, I, do you? I, I, I don't do a cooking show. I have some cooking videos. Oh, okay. Um, okay. It, and and that well and that's funny because like I'll I'll cook a big old pot of gumbo and the gumbo that is on the seafood gumbo that I cooked that's on the video was absolutely delicious and people will comment your dad's a hero <laughs> that, that, that gumbo looks good <laughs> like completely unrelated they're just commenting yeah, in the in the thread yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you're so. definitely a celebrity well Jody thanks for being on the show man it's been great chatting with you and people go check out why Gary why the Jody Plache story you can buy it on Amazon um, you can buy it on Amazon you can get a, uh, a book uh, a paperback or you can get a Kindle version um, if, it, if you're interested it, I, it, I make a little bit more with the Kindle version and I always tell people look I'm out there at jodyfloshley.net. I have a website. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. If you'd like a signed copy, if you're in the United States, um, you can reach out to me. I usually keep books on me. And, uh, you know, it's uh, $25. You can Venmo me, you can PayPal me. And uh, it's 20 for the book and 5 for the shipping. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, charging making anything off shipping you know it's just yeah, the yeah, yeah. envelope the envelope plus the media rate and that usually comes out to be like four something so i just rounded it up to five so if you want a signed copy uh hit me up if you just ain't got the time and don't, ain't worried about it go ahead amazon <laughs> get it it's out there well jody thanks for being on the show man 
Uh, it's been good Thanks chatting for with you. Me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Take care. You know, I gotta say, I admire that he has a sense of humor about what oh, happened, totally. and that, that comes across, and it definitely comes across in the book. Um, I mean, the other thing, and I mentioned this when we were talking to him, it's, it's so graphic. Like he was into details about what happened in the book. Um, yeah, I admire that about him too, because what's the point in kind of sugarcoating things? You want to be able to help other people at the end of the day who might go through similar things. If you're just not going to tell the kind of truth, what is the fucking point? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, if something traumatic like this happened to you, are you just going to like become a heroin addict or, uh, you know, or you know, internalize the pain? Or are you going to like, I would say celebrate it, but I would be bringing this up. Like if it, I would kind of be taking his route. I'd write a book about it. I'd be doing interviews, Same. speaking about yeah. it in graphic detail at cocktail parties. You know, why not? <laughs> like, yeah, would you live it up? I'd probably make T-shirts. Yeah, I would I do would the definitely same. be hosting a podcast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> would you? I mean. What, the I, I Got Diddled and Survived podcast? Yeah. I mean, this dude yeah. was on like Oprah and Geraldo. He was on, he did the, did the rounds. You know, you know, the one thing that's interesting about it, too, is so his father shot this guy point blank in the head. Ended up getting like, what, like 300 hours community service. That was it. And the whole town's hailing him as a hero. Um, Would you immediately be would you be weirded out or would you totally be like, high five, dad, you rule? Yeah, I think so. I would say high five. Yeah, same with me. I think if the rabbi just like. Just yeah. busted a cap in some pedo's head in the airport. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. And he was saying, like, at first, you know. He did the world a favor. And, like. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think you should be a vigilante. But in this case, if I was on a jury, I would definitely. I don't know if I could convict. Like, at least a first degree murder. I would not be able to convict a guy either. It's yeah. understandable. It's a crime of passion at the end of the day, what he did. It's not like he... I think it was temporary psychosis. I mean, he was so shocked, you know, when he got the uh, the results of the, the rape kit and everything and just flew into a rage. I mean, I can... It, it's very understandable. Um, but, yeah, fascinating story. Um, so go, go check it out, people. Buy the book, Why Gary Why, the Jody Plache story. Uh, people, this is uh, episode... Uh, what are we on? 805 here, sick and wrong. Uh, we got some phone calls coming up next. You can call the Cigarette Hotline at 323-522-4032. Before we get to that, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. If you're not currently a sick and wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. So before you've actually penetrated her with your Ew. Johnson, you're going to Ew. just rub the tip, the head, the glands of your shaft around her outer labia and over her clitoris. And you're just gonna tease her by saying things like, oh, I don't even know if I should even put it in today. I don't even know if you just, I don't even know if you deserve <laughs> Put it in today? Like what, I'm a today. fucking microwave. Just teasing up like that and then. Wait, 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 so you're supposed to rub your dick up and down her pussy and on her club being like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to put this in. I don't know. Today. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe if yeah. you play your cards right, Missy, you might get this <laughs> cock inside of you, okay? 
But for now, I'm just going to rub it on the outside. All right? Oh, my God. This guy. <laughs> How annoyed would you be? I'd just be like, put it in today. I'd be like, oh, well, give me, shoot me an email when you're ready to put it in. <laughs> for only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think of... So we got a few phone calls to get to here. But before we get to that, I want to give a shout-out. Give him a shout-out. A big thank you to uh, Warren for this amazing gift that he sent me. I got it in the mail of uh, UPS yesterday. Open it up. This guy actually framed the Ted Cruz tweet where Ted called me a twisted soul in this like ornate gold frame. It's amazing. Oh, wow. It's amazing. It's incredible. I'm going to put it like right across from the toilet so I can like think about Ted Cruz while I move my bowels, <laughs> which I think actually, you know, I think a lot of people do. You know, I think it's usually first person comes to mind. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's brilliant, and I gotta say, Warren, thank you for that. Totally surprised you. The guy like messaged me on uh, on uh, uh, Facebook and was like, "Hey, I'm sending you something," and I'm thinking, "All right, whatever," because typically people don't send me anything that uh, I've I've gotten some cool shit over there. Don't appear ungrateful, but I've also gotten a lot of shit that uh, went straight into the bin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it's been I've been doing this a long time. But I opened this and I was totally just floored. Because I, mean, I wasn't expecting it, put it that way. So thank you, uh, Warren, for uh, that amazing gift. He is a good egg. Yeah. Um, all right, we got a few phone calls to get to. Let me see here. The first one is a, a bit of a celebrity from your neck of the woods there, Kate Rambo. Why, hello, this is Prince Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd bring the podcast to say... Congratulations on the uh, 800th episode. Uh, only joking, it's not Prince Andrew. It's a dirty shit. Ah, uh, I totally had me going there for a second. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, that was Prince. You're a big fan of Prince Andrew. Weren't you like shocked and appalled when you found out about the Epstein connection? I am too old to be a Prince Andrew fan. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he would not like me either. Wait, what's your saying? Yeah. If there's grass on the wicket, game if over? There's, if there's grass on the wicket, game over. That's definitely. his motto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he, did he, is he like officially declared a nonce? Or no, because I of... mean, it's, it's going to trial in America, isn't it? And the queen might have to step in and protect her son. I don't fucking care. We all oh, know he's a fucking nonce. But can the queen be like, you know, I remove any charges of noncery? Like, can she do that? I'm not sure if she can do that in American courts, but she certainly has the dollar to be like, I want the top Jewish lawyer to defend my child in okay, these charges she of noncery. She wouldn't be able to, like, you know, free him from the charges like, no. with her queen powers. Well, she can probably certainly bend rules. Who knows what she can do? Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I didn't even know they could. I didn't even think they'd try him over here. Yeah, they definitely are. not. So, anyway, oh, Dirty said it's been it's been it's been a while. Been too long since we heard from you. Uh, I just want to say a big thank you to D and Kate Rambo. Kate, I am enjoying you. So uh, fuck all the haters. They can fucking go listen to another podcast. You're all right. I then. agree. But it's Dirty said touching day. Just want to say, 
congratulations on the 8th episode, guys. I've been listening since the iPhone 3G came out. So I've, I've listened to the back catalogue. I've listened to every single episode. The iPhone 3G. And I'm still listening, guys. Sorry I haven't been around for a while, but I've been flat out with work. But uh, congratulations, guys. You know I love you. Dirty Sid. All the way from the South Wales. Kate, you're probably going to call her a shit hole, Probably where you live in a shit hole. I think you live in Beverly anyway. Um, and that's a shit hole. Um, so, keep up the good work, guys. Dirty Sid touching down. I shall be ringing in uh, more often. I know I've got to make the effort. But uh, again, congratulations. Much love. Dirty Sid. Eight. I do like the Dirty Sid. Been a long Jojo. time, man. Big ups. Jojo, could you understand a word of what he was saying? No, nothing. I don't Are know you having what, a tough time? I, I don't know what the fuck he was saying. Not with I... the Welsh accent. I could tell he was Southern. This is a Northern Welsh accent, what I'm doing, but he was Southern. I More guess... Gloucestershire with a twang in it. Yeah, what, what, what I've been spending doing? a lot of time with Kay Rambo doing the show, so maybe I'm like getting used to it. But I, I can so understand the, the Dirty Sid, yeah. Yeah, he's definitely more near, like, probably, because he's got that kind of South Gloucestershire twang to it. So, so he's closer. But, yeah, um, all of Wales, I would say 99.9% of Wales is an absolute shithole. <laughs> Just like Cumbria. So that, he is correct. Yeah, that, that's what Kate's great for is, because I don't know much about, like, English geography. and uh, But Kate's able to, like, you know, give you the barometer on what's a shithole and what's not a shithole. Right, right. So, yeah. It's basically all a shithole, Jojo. Don't <laughs> come to yeah. I, I would say 90% of the cities that uh, we that are mentioned on the show, shitholes. Shitholes. Yeah. All right. Completely. Well, thank you, Dirty Sid. It's good to hear from you. Um, next call no, we have here is from uh, James. It's a two-parter. Jimmy. Hello, dudes. Jim here from Pissing Wet London. Um, pissing wet calling for the first time in a while I've been meaning to call like you know things pop up in your head from time to time and it's a busy bit of life at the moment but occasionally life just gives you the opportunity so in my case I've just spent the last 20-25 minutes nursing a very painful post-orgasmic sort of like perennial spasm and what? And now having survived it, I think what better thing to do than call you guys? What? The fact that you came to... Wait a second. That is that is really weird. What the fuck is he talking about? Like, He's did got a huge he, pain. Yeah, did he stretch his taint? Like, did he, like, did he, like uh, tear his taint or something? Can you tear your taint? Well, I don't know. No, like, he's well, got a taint spasm. I don't have it. I can't tear a taint through wanking. He must have a very large gooch. He he. What he's describing, he he's he's describing something that he's like he's saying, like it's normal. <laughs> well, uh, just to get the, the perennial fucking whatever. Well, post post orgasmic perennial post, spasm. Yeah, spasm. Anyway, guys. So. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like this has happened before because he seems like uh, to him. Yeah, I think he seems rather calm about it. I'd be right. freaking out. I'd be at the I'd be at the fucking hospital. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he just waits until he has really, really, really blue balls, and then he wanks, so that's why it hurts a little. Gives him but a little how twinge. Would they, but how would they give him a spasm in the gooch? Because it's been so long since he's wanked. And so, sometimes when you have a wank afterwards, it can be a bit like, owie. So maybe that's just him. 
Maybe he has like a dwarf just punching him in the gooch while he's wanking. Hey, whatever floats your boat. It works. <laughs> That's what you want. Haven't survived it. I think what better thing to do than call you guys? The fact that you came to mind during that experience says it all. Um, it is weird. Big, enormous love and appreciation to D, as always. 800 shows. I mean, I've never done 800 of almost anything. Well, if I have done 800 of anything, it's probably nothing to be proud of. Um, hey. Kate, absolutely love the energy you bring. And, the, yeah, the combination of, like, turn of the millennium sort of uh, outcast alternative UK culture and an appreciation of Steve MRE. I mean, oh my God. out of interest, why did you like uh, Steve MRE? Uh, yeah, so Kate loves Steve MRE. She falls yeah. asleep listening to Steve MRE. And I, I have done for four years now. Jo Jojo, no one knows who Steve MRE no, is. I, but he, I had no idea either. Oh, really? He is okay. like the Bob Ross of YouTube and he basically eats and reviews um, old rations or he gets like army army stuff that was like never brought to like production he's just a historian yeah, I fucking I'm talking love shit from Steve like the civil war he'll eat uh, rations he ate, from the civil war he ate a hard tack from the civil war Ooh. fucking jimmy jimmy knows steve mre yeah. i always get so excited when you meet people who know steve i had never heard of this guy but he does a youtube show where he like will have this ration he'll eat it like live in the air and talk about it Ooh. His a, energy is so soothing and relaxing. That's what put Kate to sleep. That's what put Kate to sleep. Yeah, puts Kate to sleep. It's yeah. weird. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like his hands. I like the fact that he smokes a yes. cigarette from time to time. Yes. Uh, even if it's like 60 years old. Uh, I like it the way he puts everything in the tray, obviously. But for me, it was all about him getting, uh, showing off like the sort of way people survive in adverse conditions, obviously at wartime. Yes. And I got into it at the very start of the pandemic. I think that's when the algorithm sent it to me. I wonder if the same happened to you. But yeah, big up Steve. Uh, I want to hear more about your appreciation of that. Fuck, I'm watching the time now and I haven't even got to what I wanted to say. I also wanted to- Wait, wait, wait. Well, how did you find out about Steve MRE? Did you just come I've... across on YouTube? Yeah, I've been watching Steve for about four years. So I was there like early doors. I remember when he had like about 20,000 subscribers. And I was like, this guy is delightful. How but is I mean, he did only someone got send so you little? a link? Or how did you no, come it across just, it? it? I think I, because I watched like lots of World War II stuff. And I'd been watching... I'd been going through like a lot of like Holocaust stuff and he just came up in my thing and I was like, oh shit, somebody's eating a German ration. I've got to watch this. Wow, that is, that is, so I did. it's a weird show. You should check it out. They um, love that Patreon content, talking about Grebos uh, and whatnot <laughs> the other day. Uh, <laughs> you were both amazing, funny, uh, and a lot of thoughts occurred to me about the way that like, are you ginger, Kate? Are you a natural ginger? I'm ginger. I remember like when I went to sixth form college, all the kids who were in, in South Wales would have been referred to as moshers, which was like the generic term for yeah, all the I kind was of a like punks and goth kids and metal kids. and But also like weirdly other things like sort of surfers and skaters. There was something interesting about that weird mix up of all the different like alternative cultures in something that wasn't at all seen as cool. It was very much... Moshers, that was with the... So they yeah. call like the goth kids or the punkers. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but if you were a skate kid, then you were a skate kid. You weren't a mosher. We I was a mosher and a grebo. Yeah, I was a mosher and a grebo, but I'm not ginger. My older brother is ginger, but I do have the ginger recessive gene. So if I was to mate with another man 
with freckles than we would produce a ginger child. Is that so why I'm kind of like, what? You had your tubes I'm, I'm 50%. No, that. I'm obviously highly fertile. I've had like 20 abortions now. I know, but, but is that why you aborted them? Because you didn't want to produce Yeah, because they're ginger. Yeah, they're all, they've all been ginger. So away into the fire Just with doing them. the world a favor. Fuck yeah. yeah. So I remember when I was in high school, we used to call kids skaters. I mean, I hung out with the skaters. But the, I think the word, the words that we had to describe, the most common words we had to describe um, a particular group would be like the, uh, the Hessians. You know, the white trash kids. Because it'd be like the word pickers, Hessians, Burnouts, stoners. Burnout, right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. You guys, heads. you guys would have both been moshers slash because you had dreads, you'd have been a grebo. Having dreads is a big grebo thing, but you both would have been moshers over here. Okay, well, you would know. Joe, JoJo was metal. Yeah, yeah, he had like a yeah, mullet, but that's a anthrax T-shirt. Hesha that's a mosher. That, yeah, that's a West Coast thing. Yeah. Somebody's like, he's all hashed out. I mean, so what Steel did the kids call you? Pickers. Yeah, Jojo. Dirtbag. Dirtbag. This wasn't Pino. a good thing. If you got called, yeah. like, the chaps would be like, Grebo, if they saw you. Oh, fucking moshers. It was, like, not a good thing to be alternative. And now it's, fu- it's funny how all the kids nowadays are dressing in, like, Doc Martens and dyeing their hair different colors but they're not listening to rock and roll. It was like, yeah, when I was doing that in the year 2000, you would fucking, people would chuck rocks at you if they saw you in town. It's not like a, it wasn't a cool thing at all. No, it's like a fashion <laughs> thing now. Yeah, there, totally. There's no hot topic. Yeah, there's no hot topic when we were, we were kids. You know, there was a store though in uh, Royal Oak, Michigan called Noir Leather. And Ooh. I was hoping to go check it out because that's where I got like my first ministry shirt and my first pair of Doc Martens. And it was definitely like this this really cool store at the time. It was right down the street from Dr. Jack Kevorkian's office. Mm, wow. So you'd see people picking in Kevorkian. The place is great. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to make it over uh, over to Royal Oak to see is it. Is it, it still there, though? I don't know. Was it like a leather daddy thing? No, it was like an alternative. But they did have like leather, like, uh, I don't know, like adult-themed outfits and things like like harnesses and shit. Right. That's, it wasn't really it? like, I don't recall it being like a sex store, though. That's like the that's like Camden. Yeah, yeah. Camden. It was like There's a t- it was like a store in like Camden, that. like that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was the only one in like one of the first ones in the area. And this is like late eighties, you know, it was weird. I had that ministry shirt forever. Like a kind of like dropout uh, reject type thing. Um but I remember when everyone's hair dye started uh leaving their hair like a few months later, you realized everyone was ginger. It's a bit like all the all the gingers who become like Islamic fundamentalists now, all these like <laughs> fundamentalists. Does that happen with gingers? Um, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to actually talk about something completely different, which is a getting arrested story, which I'll start in a second. Uh, but big love to you both. That's my general jabber. All right. I was waiting for him to be like, excuse me, I'm having a perineum spasm. <laughs> oh, you mean while he was talking <laughs> yeah, to yeah. us? Like... Hey, excuse me. Hold on one second. It's recurring. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if he just made that up or if that is something weird. that actually happens. It's weird. I wonder what it feels like. It's just a spasm in your taint. Are you saying you've never taint. felt well, a spasm the, in you your know taint? It's like pulling a muscle. Like, you ever have that sometimes, like in your shoulder, you get that muscle? Oh, yeah, I got that. It's weird. Right? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's like a muscle spasm. Right. Do you think he just had it, like in the taint? Is there a muscle in the taint? 
Maybe. Isn't it all a muscle? That's what I'm saying. I think he has like an extraordinarily large gooch. <laughs> like a taint. Like a massive you know taint. What's, you know what's inside the gooch? I don't know. What? It's not a trick question. I am going to tell you a fact. What's Nothing. in the gooch? That's when, if, they, if they're giving you gender reassignment surgery, they basically just cut that open. It's just an open hole because we all start out in the womb as females. And that's that's where your vagina would have been. Do you, not, do you me, fall? not me. I was I was never started. <laughs> Straight as an arrow, bro, in my cult T-shirt. So. You, you came out in your cult T-shirt, right. feeling the doctor's bulge. <laughs> Wait, do you fall asleep watching gender reassignment surgery? I fall asleep to Steve MRE. You take that back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's part two, James. Hi, DNK. So this is what I wanted to share. So it's a story from about 10 years ago, and uh, there was fuck all jobs going on. Like, I couldn't get a job for love nor money. I've been six months on the dole uh, in Wales, nothing happening. And then I saw an advert for this, like, European Union, RIP, scheme to, like, basically pay <laughs> you to do job training in a different European country. So I got on that, thankfully, and got sent to Prague, working two days a week wow. at, like, a migrant and gypsy rights charity. Whoa, so I was trying weird. to fill the rest of the time. And I've been to these interviews. And this one particular day, I've been for an interview at this sort of like alternative listings magazine thing run by some aging American punk woman and a bunch of pan-European oddballs. Um, and they'd been really up for me doing some work for them, especially for almost nothing. And so they were like, yeah, come back. You're starting next week. So I got to celebrate with my new housemates. And we met this Slovakian dude called Igor who played drums in the quite heavy psychedelia band. And so we went to see him in the basement of this club getting absolutely hammered on cheap Czech booze, start smoking a bit of weed on the dance floor, and suddenly I'm spilling out. Didn't, didn't you say that the weed in Prague is, like, really good, like, top-notch? Best I've ever smoked. Been yeah. in Prague, yeah. Well, I remember fucking good shit. Yeah, when I was in Prague, we didn't... I guess I wasn't really smoking weed, I don't think, at that time. But we didn't even... I don't, yeah, I don't think it was. So I, um... I think when we we talked about this on the outtakes, and I told everyone the exact bar you can go to to get the weed. It's not legal though, right? It's not like uh... it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Amsterdam. They will as long as you're not well, because even in Amsterdam, you're not supposed to smoke weed. Yeah, but can out you the buy it in a bar or coffee shop or something like you can in Amsterdam? No, it's still a bit clandestine. But they're not as long as you're not being a dick about it. They're not going to do anything. Yeah, I was kind of stunned in Michigan. Michigan's just like California. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they dispensaries everywhere. And apparently Bay City, Michigan, is like the mecca of marijuana. It's like they got the most dispensaries of any city in Michigan or any county. People come from all over, like from Indiana, Ohio, to go buy weed from Bay City. Steel needs to invest. Steel steel hates weed. And nobody needs to invest to make some books. You probably should. Um, so this, so, so this guy here smoking a little of this Prague kind bud, um, and uh, got really fucked up apparently. Absolutely disgusting because I've been just drinking for too long, and so at this point my mates are hitting on these three girls that we've met, but I'm so fucking drunk in the corner, looking like such a state that these girls, <laughs> empathetic as they are, are coming over checking I'm okay. So I keep having to send them back to not cock block the boys, but when they keep coming over, I'm like fuck this, I'm going outside. So I go outside to get some fresh air, pass out in the cold. It's minus 10 centigrade. I'm in a T-shirt, and it's really not a good idea. Luckily, I get woken up, but not necessarily in the best way. I'm woken up by 
a hand on my trousers and a hand in my pocket and I open my eyes and it's this quite you know fairly unattractive middle-aged Czech um, sex worker telling me oh blowjob blowjob with this scary looking pimp standing over her trying to get out my dick and my wallet the prostitute not the uh, pimp so I go back inside again the exact same thing happens again the girls are trying to look after me the boys are looking annoyed so I go outside again pass out in the snow but this time uh, I'm sick down myself I, well, actually, now you can go back in. The girls aren't going to come up to him anymore. You see, he got <laughs> sick true. all over himself. Yeah, they're going to probably leave him alone. How do you pass out? I guess if you're that wasted, you can pass out in the snow. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, it's never, I've never, that's never happened to me. I can't believe he was sick all down his cult t-shirt. And <laughs> <laughs> passed out in the snow, freezing. And suddenly, I hear the noise of someone going, "Hey, I know this guy." And someone else like, "Yeah, we know this guy." And I open my eyes in this terrible state, covered in basically frozen puke down the front of me. And it's these guys who'd interviewed me that day to work at this listings magazine. So I'm like, oh, shit, I try and tell them, oh, it's okay, I'm not too drunk or anything. Uh, but I imagine what came Covered out was a garbled gibberish. And as it was, they never called me back, and I never did that job in the end. So in the end, I go inside, vomit profusely in the worst toilet. That's like the train spotting to- toilet, but like with an East European uh, twist. Get kicked out of the club. And basically bowl home in such a sort of drunken stupor that I'm picked up by Czech police on the way home uh, and end up spending, not even the night because it was quite late, but a few hours in a cold Czech cell, uh, getting turfed out, sent back to my flat later. Anyway, that's the story. Big up. Love to you all. Bye. Wow. I thought the arrest was going to be a larger portion of that narrative. I thought they would have been crueler to him because it is like, you know, Eastern Europe. Yeah, I was wondering like what an Eastern European prison cell would look like. Yeah. That, that's one thing that always freaks me out when I travel abroad. It's just like I don't even want to deal with getting arrested there. Just because, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I also thought, like, if, don't you get arrested? If you get arrested in Prague or in Europe, well, I guess if it's part of the European Union, they're not going to send you back, right? Well, it's a bit different for the UK now. Yeah, yeah. No. Back then, they wouldn't have. Do you think it would be like Eastern Promises, that film? <laughs> is that with Vigo? Yeah. Yeah, that is, I'm sure you love that shower fight scene. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, maybe it'd be like, uh, what's, what, what's that, what, what was that um, Oliver Stone film in, uh, in Turkey? They go to the Turkish prison. Oh, oh no, is that not Midnight Express? Midnight, Midnight, Midnight Express, Express, yeah. Yeah. Is that Oliver Stone? It was Oliver Stone, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. But that, I always think about that, like in, in my mind, when I'm in a foreign oh, country, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm in a foreign oh, country, I'm just like, I don't want a Midnight Express or shit. Right. Not gonna do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that would that would freak me out. Although when I was in Prague, um, I remember I was with my um, one of my exes at the time, but we ended up like at first when you go to Prague. You don't know where to go, and you're kind of hanging out in like the downtown area, and not even downtown, the touristy area. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, central. It's central it's just park. lame, and it's like, and beer is not cheap because I heard the beer is extremely cheap there. And you go there, well, it and is. it's yeah, well, and so you go there, but if you're downtown, it's it's not. It's like when you're in the tourist area, it's gonna be like you know six seven bucks a beer, or whatever. I mean, because you're in a well, tourist. No, area. it isn't. It's still cheap, but what you want to do is get on. Go get, a couple of get on the train away. and go down, yeah. yeah. So then I it's looked like 50 into pence. it. Yeah, seriously, it was like fifty cents for beer. So she and I got fucking loaded. And I think at the end of the night, we ended up like in some bar with no one. No one spoke English, 
but we spoke the language of metal. And the dude was like playing Dio, <laughs> and I was like Dark Throne, and you know Mayhem. We're just playing all this music, just getting wasted. She, she passed out, and uh, he and I were just like getting fucked up. I do recall actually, I didn't smoke any weed there, but we did do some blow, and it was it was actually pretty decent. But um, we left, and I was so loaded, couldn't I had no idea where I was, didn't know how to hail a cab, didn't even think about it. It's so dangerous to do that. In uh, yeah. in foreign countries, luckily we did end up. She couldn't even move; like she was so drunk, she could barely even walk. And I was just like, "God, we are like complete targets right now." I got, all of a sudden I got really self conscious, and I managed to like suck it up, be able to catch a cab, and thankfully the cab like you know didn't take us to a hostel where we got like tortured, sodomized, uh, made it back home. But I was the next day just like kind of self conscious about it, thinking like, "Man, that was stupid." <laughs> I had to deal with the police in Paris because we got robbed while we were in Paris the first time. And so we went to the police station. But I just remember when we were walking up to the building, it was all like glass, but it was smoked glass. So you could see yourselves approaching the building, but obviously you couldn't see in. And then from out of nowhere, we were stood there like, how do we get in? And then just one of the doors, it was like a sci-fi film. One of the doors opened and just out came this like six foot six, real big burly Frenchman with a fucking like machine gun. And he just started speaking to us in French. And we were like, we're English. Uh, je m'appelle Anglais. <laughs> uh, please, we need help. And then I'm he was like- bloody English. Oh, we're bloody English, mate. We've been fucking robbed. And then we had to go and give a statement. And I was like, that was that was the day we were leaving. And that was a fucking ball ache in itself. Uh, so Yeah, you yeah, just never just want to deal with the authorities. Ever in, in any country. situation. Or even in your own country. Yeah. It just sucks. Uh, James, thank you for that call. It's very detailed. Yeah, good on I you, James. I liked his patter. He had, a, he had a, a good patter. He's a fellow Grebo, I can tell. A so Grebo. Yeah, He's a well, Grebo. Thank you, James. That was a great call. Uh, people can call us around hotline at uh, 323-522-4032. Um, I know we always plug the Patreon, but we got a lot of good content coming on the Patreon. Um, this week, actually, because uh, me and Joe taking a Thelma and Louise trip to, to Arizona. <laughs> um, uh, Kate Who's got who? A, Kate got a, um, I, I think I'm more Thelma. You know, I've never seen the movie, so... Uh, Have you never seen Thelma and Louise? No. Jojo is a good film. Jojo only it's likes good. the Greasy Strangler. Yeah, it's his only movie he watches. But yeah, so this week uh, Kate did the news with uh, guest host uh, Chris Siege. Yeah, he's been on the show to before. So we really definitely want to check that out. Um, but yeah, so if if you want to sign up for the Patreon, five bucks a month, you get an extra story, you get phone calls, um, you get outtakes. This week on the outtakes. JoJo told quite the tale about an encounter at a handjob parlor. Actually, right up the street from me. That I've been quite intrigued by. I'm actually very jealous of the story, but he goes into a lot of detail about it. Very graphic. Very detailed. Yeah, very detailed. It was, it, it, there was love lost, but you've recovered and uh, right, you yeah. made you a she stronger broke your human heart, being. JoJo. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. did. Um, I wouldn't say it was exactly a strip club. I'd say it was more of a handjob parlor. But I don't know. Jury's out on that one. It's, it's, it's up for debate. Given a Patreon teaser here. So th this is why you sign up for the Patreon so you get, get these extra con this, this extra content. Right. Um, and then uh, also just uh, you know, you, a few bucks more, you get the Sick and Wrong News segment. You uh, did that with, uh, with Siege. And then would, you, would you guys talk about like a video game corner or something? 
we talk uh, yeah we talk about um films the top films. 10 most expensive r-rated films of all time and we basically me and each have very similar taste so it's us slagging off a lot of things so go check it out uh patreon.com slash sick and wrong um also if uh if you want to get um some some sick and wrong merch we do have the t public store I haven't actually checked out the T Public Store, but I do have some new designs I got to put up there. But sickerongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and uh, go get yourself uh, some Sick and Wrong merch. Uh, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week, just kind of keeping with the theme here. We're going to end the show with uh, <laughs> the Sex Offender Shuffle, which um, a lot of people, I bet a lot of people I'm sure have seen this uh, video. I think it was popular like 15 years ago or so. You'd never seen it though. Yeah. It's great. It's like a public service. Uh, the video's uh, like a PSA. It was created by the uh, Miami-Dade County to show the names of sex offenders in the area so you can stay aware, you can stay safe, and maybe even have a little fun listening to the song. Um, but it was arranged by a musical artist named Lil Sod, um, Sex Offender Shuffle. So we're going to end the show here with that. Um, yeah, people, uh, go check out uh, Jody's uh, book, Why Gary Why. It's a pretty interesting uh, read. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 806. Till then, take it sleazy. State of Florida has asked us to disclose our sexual crimes to you. We were bad, but now we're good. We're moving into your neighborhood. You know we're trying our best to be functioning members of society. We're not here to start no trouble. We're doing here to do the sex show. I'm Larry Art Howard, and I'll refrain from touching my neighbor's kids again. What I did was not too kind, but I'm a nice guy you'll come to find. I've got a backyard and a real nice pool. Y'all should come over for a barbecue. We can make some cold drinks in my blender, but do keep in mind that I'm a sex offender. Vernon Douglas is my name. My battery arrest is what brought me fame. But there's much more to know about me. I love to dance and I love to ski. I zip and zoom on through the snow. Just strap on my boots and watch me go. But I can't ski until December. Till then I'm just a sex offender. I'm Charles Dolan, dropping rhymes. I've been arrested seven times. I know that sounds like a lot. Three of those times were for vandalism. Feel real bad, I got caught. Might do it again, probably not. I'm not here to make pretenses. I'm here because of my sex offenses. I'm Sam Pound, I'm number one. Apologizing for what I've done. In case you were wondering what that was, I snuck into a bathroom and I... Eat no truffles, I'm just here to do the sex offender shuffle. Everybody, I'm Laura Hughes. Proving girls can do it too. And by it, I mean touch your cousin. Was it worth it? No, it wasn't. You won't find me in your child's playset because I gotta wear this ankle bracelet. I'm not here to go on a bender. I'm here because I'm a sex offender. Last name Bermholt, first name Mark. I'm moving in somewhere on your block. Not in a house, but in a van. If you need me to move it, I sure can. The last thing I want is any trouble. Learn my lesson from the sex offender shuffle. I'm the 
the one they call Arthur Chase. They said I didn't have to show my face. My first trial ended in a hung jury. If I'm found guilty, they'll unblur me. I'm not the necrophiliac Arthur Chase. That's a different Arthur Chase. I'm not here to be my own defender. I'm here because I'm possibly a sex offender. Okay, real quick, I'm not like these people, okay? This is an extortion plot by my ex-wife, who's the only witness, and she's trying to take away my kids, and if... I'm not here to pack my duffel, I'm just here to do the sex offender shuffle. State of Florida has asked us to expose our sexual crimes to you. We were bad, but now we're good. We're moving into your neighborhood. We're obliged to admit the crimes for which we were convicted. We're not here to start no trouble. The cult t-shirt is obviously now what we would call in Britain your pulling t-shirt. Do you know what that would mean? Yeah, that is actually. It's his pulling t-shirt, so like he now knows that if he wears his cult t-shirt, it's gonna attract attention. So you can only wear that like you know on a hot date or something. You'd wear your cult t-shirt. I have a pulling jacket that every time I've ever worn, I've pulled in, so I don't wear it. <laughs> I think if Joe wants to pull middle-aged men, you'll wear that cult shirt because <laughs> you'll get a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ian, man, fucking rocking. <laughs> I was at that show. <laughs> the guy the guy that we were standing Name two there, songs off the album, you fucking poser. <laughs> we were standing there, the guy's just like Can I see it? I, I, really, I was at that show. I really, I really like it. Um yeah, I'm it's just a great band. Like, you know, I've I've, I've seen him like six times and I, uh, and I I was I was trying not to laugh, so I was like walking away. And Joe kept like the guy was really close talking, so he kept backing up and backing up and the guy would just get closer. <laughs> it was so funny. That pushed Joe's <laughs> hand into his bulge. <laughs> cool bulge, bro. He's like, smack that bulge. <laughs> Sorry, it was just right there. <laughs> Remember how the guy kept getting closer to you and closer? And you kept backing up. <laughs> and you then Jojo, and then D says that you touched his bulge. Yeah, you tapped his bulge. He tapped yours. <laughs> like, <bulge>. <laughs> <laughs> Little ball tap. Yeah. That's what you so what are you gonna do? Uh, people are retarded. <laughs> I mean, that's all I gotta say. People are retarded.